This is the Horse Radio Network. One blow to the head could last a lifetime. This week, we discuss how serious a concussion can be. What happens when you and your horse just aren't meshing? Breaking news, alfalfa doesn't make your horse hot. And have you ever tried to ride your horse through a Starbucks drive through Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Magazine, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome, Welcome to, Happy, to Happy, Hour. Happy Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Alex Wells. Welcome to episode 18 of Heels Down Happy Hour. So this week we have a drink that came from Shannon in our Facebook group. Thank you, Shannon. It's called The Cable Car. And we have one and a half ounces Captain Morgan Spice Rum, an ounce lemon juice, three-quarter ounce curacao, half an ounce simple syrup, and cinnamon sugar with an orange twist garnish. So that sounds really good to me. Kind of like a fun fall drink. Yeah, absolutely. It's really, really tasty. I actually made this one over the weekend because I thought it sounded so good when Shannon shared the recipe. And it's awesome. It's very tasty. But you have to like spiced rum to like this drink. So if you're like not a rum person, I wouldn't recommend it. Okay, good to know. Good to know. (laughs) This episode is presented by Eagle Gold. Eagle Gold is proud to put your horse first with technology that helps keep your horse comfortable in his work. Add a flip half pad to your EcoGold collection for the best of both worlds, both traditional and fun. Shop now at ecogold.ca. All right, guys. Uh, Alex, what news do you have for us this week? So this week, a teen tried to order a frappuccino in a Starbucks drive-thru while riding her horse and was rejected service. What? What? Yeah, well, I've seen, I mean, I think maybe it was last year or the year before. Or I can't remember when it was, but there was kind of a craze. Like you'd see people kind of doing that, like riding through a drive-through and taking pictures, and it was, you know, really funny. But this, her name was Aspen Klein. She was in um, Anthem, Arizona, and she tried to drive or ride through, I should say, on her birthday, and they would not serve her for safety reasons. <laughs> Oh my God. I am surprised. Cause like you said, I'm used to seeing those posts. Like I've seen people put pictures of them, like riding their horse through the McDonald's drive through, like in their sales ads for their horse, you know? <laughs> totally. Wow. I well, totally thought you could be able to go through a drive through with a horse, but it? apparently That's not true. in this place. <laughs> no. Not in Arizona, I guess. And Sorry, she, Aspen. Them, she was going to give her horse some of the cream and they still rejected her. What? Gosh. Oh, no. Starbucks, you're party poopers. I know. Yeah. Anthem, Arizona, Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) Jess, what do you got? I got a much happier story than, because I still feel bad for a birthday. She didn't even get a Starbucks. But (laughs) anyways, I have a much happier story for us. Peter Berry got back on a horse for the first time after 11 months. He suffered a stroke at Carolina International, or during Carolina International. He wasn't riding at the time he had the stroke. But he got back on a horse, and he got on one at Philip Dutton's barn here in Aiken. He rode the famous Ichabob Crane. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, so, yeah, so it was really good. Like, they posted a whole kind of story about it, saying that, you know, he was grateful and that he was happy to, like, kind of get back on a horse, but he's taking it really really slow. And he had help Philip and Emma and a couple other people, Colleen Loach, um, a very good friend of his, they were all there for when he rode him. So it was very lucky. Wow. So 
thank goodness he's on the road to recovery. It sounds like like Peter, he's slowly yes. getting better. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's a long process and you know, he looks amazing every time I see him like looking better and better and progressing very well for the situation, but he's back on a horse, which is always good. It's a first yeah. step towards a lot of stuff. Absolutely. Wow. Well, keep going, Peter. Oh yeah. So a very happy story for that. But what do you have for us, Justine? I've got the best story. All right. So (laughs) there's this rider who owns a mule and she rides it, you know, like jumps it and does, you know, like sort of uh, interesting events with it. And uh, she lives in the UK. And so recently she was banned to go to this local equestrian center and she took it. She took it in stride. Like, it's kind of silly that they banned her, but She's calling the venue and the officials their earist because they don't like her mule's big ears. <laughs> That's I clever. Know. But the pictures are so cute. Like she's like jumping cross country jumps with this nine year old mare who um, the mule's name is Honey, and it's really interesting. So she uh, she's part Oldenburg and part donkey. Uh, who they just happened to be in a, a pasture together and made this mule. But she's taken the horse all over the place, like ridden it down the streets and ridden it it at all different types of events. Uh, But I guess the whole argument here was the venue was afraid that the mule will spook the horses at the event, uh, which is kind of sad. And I guess um, I know, like you would think that. I don't know. I can't imagine my horse being that afraid of a mule as opposed to the million other things he could be afraid of at a show. You know what I mean? Like. Were people that offended by this poor animal's ears? I mean, I wonder, yeah. like, is that legal? Like, can you ban a horse because you think it's, I mean, I wonder, like, if it's like a federation rule. I don't know. It's, um, so David Stevenson is the name of the man who owns this venue. And he told Horse and Hound that uh, the venue is primarily a livery yard. And occasionally they hire it out to others to run events. So there are horses that it sounds like that are boarded there. And they said they had an issue a couple years ago where they had a donkey or a mule on the property. And when it was braying, like making the noise that a donkey makes, it obsessed horses on the yard and caused them to, quote from this story, run around. So, oh. Imagine <laughs> that. I know. Imagine a horse gets spooked and runs around. But anyway, so no one got hurt. But uh, I guess they're a little bit more mindful of letting animals on the property that are not strictly horses. But um, but this lady, the owner of the of the mule, is taking it in stride. I'm pretty sure she's still gonna keep doing stuff with her cool mule. But we're sorry, we're not earists. We like mules. Yeah, I love mules. <laughs> I know. I think it's cool that she does as much jumping and other like kind of random events with the mule. I've never seen that before. It's pretty neat. Yeah, it's really impressive. This segment is brought to you by Giddy Up Goodies, the best monthly subscription box for horses and the people who love them. Giddy Up Goodies delivers a thoughtfully curated selection of equine and riding-related items each month, from grooming and wellness products for the horse to a specially selected rider gift and everything in between. Giddy Up Goodies has a plan to fit every budget. Sign up for your own box now by visiting giddyupgoodies.com. So, Alex, I know you got to review the new Renwick & Sons brushes, which... um... I've seen their box set and they are honestly the most beautiful brushes I've ever seen in my life. Like they look like they belong in Vogue magazine. They're so beautiful. And I can't imagine what they actually feel like. 
So why don't you tell us about them? They are incredible. I So the whole presentation, even when the box arrives, you know, in the mail, you know, everything is, you know, so carefully placed and you have this beautiful steel embossed silver briefcase that the brushes actually come in. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, and it's, it's more than, you know, after doing a bit of reading, it's more than just for the presentation, you know, it's really meant to be a good, clean, dry place to store, store your tools when you're not using them. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So, I mean, it's really practical. It's light. It's in it aside from being very aesthetically pleasing. Um, and they come yeah, with the box is awesome. tools. So it literally, you have everything you could possibly need in the box. And the brushes themselves are, they have beautiful um, wooden, I, the box that I have, it's walnut as the base of the brush. And all of them have it. And they have a beautiful design that's um, carved into them. And they have, the brushes have monotech bristles with the different levels of bristle, you know, for removing debris and then to remove dirt and dust. And then the white bristles are, it's this, the one, it's the finishing brush, but it's also in the other brushes. It's the softest brush I've ever felt. It's so beautiful. I just, they're incredible. And the thing about them is, you know, they're, they look like they're these luxury, beautiful brushes and they are, but you know, anyone who knows horsemanship can really appreciate the value of these brushes because they're, you know, they're a good, durable brush. And it's sort of, even though they're these new, you know, beautiful looking sleek brushes, they kind of go back to this, you know, lost art of taking care of the horse. You know, people that really appreciate brushes and taking good care of turning out their horses will really appreciate these brushes. You can just tell from the pictures, like I haven't actually held one in person, but you could just tell from their marketing material and some of the videos I've seen that just the attention to detail is like remarkable. So I'm looking, I'm looking at these pictures and there are a couple that I want to ask you about, Alex. The first is the, the hoof brush, which it's like, I see that it has like a hoof pick, but then it has the bristles to be a brush. How does that work? Because I mean, they look very like fine fine needles, you know what I mean, to be brushing out a hoof, but is it pretty durable? It is. It's very durable. And so the um, the head of the hoof pick, you know, the actual pick itself is gold titanium coated. So it's super durable. And um, the, the brush itself, if you look at pictures of it, you know, it has kind of two different materials. And it's, it's a double stiff angled brush. So you can really like for me, there's nothing like a good hoof pick to be able to actually get all of the remaining debris out of the frog area without kind of having to go over it a hundred times. Like this is one shot and you get it all out. Wow. So the other, the other one is the, um, the uh, the main and tail brush, which looks really interesting because I see it has dual sides of like different types of bristles on both sides. And one looks really soft and one looks like more like a comb, right? Yes. So, okay. That's a really interesting one. Um, it has two heads, like you said, two sides. The one is a stiff antibacterial comb, which I thought was really interesting because I don't know how many of the brushes we're using are actually antibacterial and that's to untangle the hair. And then the reverse side has anti-static and also antibacterial bristles, but it's sort of, you know, you get the knots out first and then you use the kind of softer side to, get the flyaways down and trying to keep the mane on one side there. Interesting. So I, 
I have a question about the one. There's one that looks like it's like almost for the mane and tail, but it's not for the tail. What's that one? No. So, and I actually, before I, when I looked at it, I was like, wow, that's a small comb. But the reason for it is because it's for, um, when you're, when you're preparing the mane, you know, when you're plaiting the horses, you always see like our, you know, our good grooms will have really special smaller combs to try and have really evenly spaced, perfectly sectioned, um, plots. Oh yeah. And so oh, it's this, for that. It's for that, which I didn't realize. To, it's for oh. braiding. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. plaiting slash braiding. Wow, gotcha. it's more of a braiding comb, and it's for you know, it's and if you look at the way that it's designed, it's almost you know, it's to have perfectly straight, you know, even plaits, and well, so you can have everything, every plait, like every braid is the same width and everything, because it has this. That makes more sense. Yes. So if you're OCD like we are, it's phenomenal. Yes. <laughs> it's just, they look super fancy. Like if you are really, if you're like a groom fanatic type person, this is like the ultimate gift because they just like, they look like something that is too nice that I wouldn't let sit in my tack room. Like I would bring them home into my house. No, for sure. I mean, and the thing about them is even though they look, you know, delicate and beautiful, you know, they are durable and they're built to be, you know, to be used but like you said, I would, you know, I, I opened the box and, you know, all of our staff were just amazed and they were like, oh my God, I want, you know, I, I just feeling them and, you know, totally in awe. So like for me, I'm already thinking about this as a gift for one of them. Well, that's what I was oh. saying. Like how great of a gift for people. Totally. Mm -hmm. Totally. Greatness never ages. So help your senior horses live their best lives with Purina Equine Senior Horse Feed. It has active age, a proprietary prebiotic proven through the years of research to support a senior horse's aging immune system. To learn more, visit purinamills.com backslash active age. So this week we had a question um, in the Facebook group and it was, how do you know when the partnership between you and your horse just isn't right or working? What can you do and how do you know for sure? And when is it appropriate to move on? Yeah. So this, this post is by a, a girl named Kelly from the Facebook group. And it really spoke to me because I am sort of in a similar situation. So as you guys know, I have this thoroughbred off the track who is really goofy and silly and big and I love him. And I had, all these high hopes for him to do stuff with, and he's been um, unrideable more than he's been rideable with different health problems. And I've spent a ton of money trying to fix him and figure out what is wrong. And it's like, I fix one, like I plug one hole and then another one springs, you know what I mean? Like it's just been this ongoing effort. And uh, so he's not really fit. And uh, every time I try to get him going, there's just always another problem. And it, it's just really frustrating but uh, Kelly, Kelly's situation is a little different. So I'm going to read her situation to you guys. And then Jess and Alex, I'm curious to know your thoughts because uh, you guys, well, Jess, obviously you're a trainer. And then Alex, you show at, a, at WEF at a higher level and you have ridden a bunch of different horses. So I'm just curious what you guys think on like, when do you know that this isn't working either for you or the horse? But so here's what Kelly has to say. She said, when does your horse partnership come to an end? 
Recently, I realized that my nine-year-old Dutch Warmblood gelding was surpassing me in what I could do with him. Not that I'm a poor rider, but more because he is a 17-3 hand horse and requires longer legs and more of a man ride than I can provide. So I made the decision that it was better for me to let my horse become the best he could become, and I gave him to my trainer to ride. I still exercise him, but me taking him into a 1-meter or 110-meter class wasn't going to challenge him anymore. Currently, my trainer has been working with him to go to the 130 and 140-meter classes, and he's become a better horse because of it. So when do you as a rider realize this? Uh, when do you as a trainer or a professional step in and say, I think that horse or rider's best interest is X and that needs to be done? So what do you, Jess, what do you think as a trainer and you're, you know, you see the horse going one way and the rider going another, at what point do you kind of intervene or, or bring up the idea of doing something else? Well, I think it's all kind of like, obviously every situation is different, but as soon as you, if you've got somebody like in a program with you, it's a lot easier because you talk and say, Hey, look, like it's not just all of a sudden they show up to you and the wheels have fallen off. You know, hopefully you've seen it coming and it's been work in progress and it's not really working. Like maybe first case there's so many different things that you're like, okay, look, when do you call it quits? And you kind of have that conversation several times and you leave it up to the person to be like, is this fun anymore? Honestly, like, you know, we've had plenty of people come in our barn and the horse wasn't the correct horse for them. But if you tell them that they have to sell it or something, it almost has to be their decision. You know, actually not something that I say, hey, you need to sell this horse unless it's unsafe. You know, like if you came to me and you had a horse that was not the proper fit for you, absolutely. I'm going to be like, look, we need to look at getting you a new horse ASAP. But in this case, the horse just looks like it could do more. And so, I mean, we've had clients where it's just not fun for them anymore, whether it's something they just have grown out of, they want to become owners, every kind of different situation has happened in our case. And it boils down to if you're just not having fun anymore. It's a good point. What about you, Alex? Totally. I mean, I've had plenty of personal experiences with that. You know, I'm an amateur through and through and you know, even though I have my kind of older horse that I bomb around on, you know, I have jumped some bigger classes. And for me, you know, I have to feel really comfortable because, you know, it's, I've been injured a couple of times and I have no ego with it. So I have no problem saying, okay, this doesn't feel right. And actually just last year, we had this horse in the barn. She was a super talented mare and it was my last year to be eligible jumping the under 25 divisions, which range kind of in the meter 45, meter 50 level. And so I jumped her in those classes and she was phenomenal for me, but she was, I mean, all of 17, two, and I am five, four. And, you know, like at times I felt like, okay, I'm on this big, powerful, sharp mare. And even though it's going really well, I feel like, not 100% comfortable all the time. And so finally, I'm also grateful to be married to a professional. You know, she had the scope to jump much bigger than that. And I said, you know, or actually it was his idea, thank God, because I was just feeling a lot of stress about the situation. He said, why don't I show the mare in some Grand Prix and I'll give you my older Grand Prix horse to show a little bit. And I felt immediately relieved and he had success with the mare and it just, it was good all around because, you know, I'd had it go well and I had good experiences. And then when I kind of started to not feel super comfortable, 
she could then go on to be really useful for him to ride in the Grand Prix. And, you know, it just, it, it it's almost kind of something that I, I had an aha moment. Like, you know, I wonder, I'm fortunate in this situation, but I wonder how other people feel when they just feel like their horses may be a little bit more capable than, you know, they are as a rider and that's okay. I think it's, it's tough because it's an emotional decision, especially when you're an amateur. Like most of us, are lucky to have one horse, you know, one horse at a time. So you become attached and there's this level of your horse being your competition partner, but also still your pet because you're not a professional. And this isn't something like you're turning horses all the time or you're working eight horses a day, you know? So, so I totally understand Kelly's dilemma here. Cause I would be, I would be bummed if that was me, I would be bummed to admit that I, I didn't have, the athletic ability or the mentality to move up with that horse. But at the end of the day, I think you're also the steward for your horse and you want to do what's best for him. So like you guys said, a lot of times, a lot of times it will surprise the rider that, that, you know, they give up. I mean, we have, we've had this situation happen a lot, honestly. And you know, where it's been, a lady where she had an amazing horse and she just didn't have any more. Like the horse would do kind of an all around everything. And she just sold it to a great home. And now she's an owner with one of Doug's event horses. She was a show jumper. And then, but we also, we have a kid who is like family to us and the family, um, they become like family to us now, but the, mom and dad bought her horse to be her next young rider horse. Same thing, bought her what we thought to be a perfect two-star horse. It had gone preliminary at the time, uh, just a couple of them. And they said, let's keep it with Doug for six months and the child will get it back and she'll go to young riders, you know, try to go to young riders this year. She'll have two preliminary horses was the idea. And it turned out the horse was a kick, kick, well, I can't say the word horse, but, um, <laughs> I mean, he's amazing, truly amazing. And Doug rides it at the, just moved up to advanced. It will do its first three star this spring. It's a top horse. Like everybody's obsessed with it. Wow. So, oh yeah. And the child, I mean, we call her the kid. She's now 18 years old. We've had her in the program since she was 13, 14. The horse is amazing. And everybody's happy with the situation. The child's hysterical. She says, uh, I can't ride that horse to a big oxer. I will jump a course of three foot verticals, which doesn't exist in competition. But she's like, <laughs> it will jump me out of the tack. There's no way I'm taking this horse yeah. to any event again. And, and so now that she can kind of laugh about it. And, you know, it's, it's, it is hard. Like Justine said, it's, it can be emotional. Like it's it sometimes it's fortunate that sometimes it ends up that way and everybody's happy. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes it's not quite so peachy and, you know, you feel kind of down and, you know, you want this, this partnership to work because you love your horse, but then, you know, reality kind of kicks in and, you know, if you can say, okay, maybe the right thing is for my trainer to ride him in bigger classes, you know, it's just, it's sort of a whole range of emotions. Like I, I, Kelly, I, I've been there and I can totally relate. (laughs) Absolutely. But I think that in her, in her, at least in her defense, like she's had the conversation and she's talking about it. So then you can kind of, I think it makes it a little easier when the conversation happens a lot and the communication's open. Well, and she could see that the horse is, is doing better 
doing more stuff with the trainer like kind of like the situation you described just like yeah that that kid is watching the horse become something unreal like so awesome you know yeah you you want that for him so i'm sure there's moments of sadness where she's like i don't have two upper level you know two preliminary horses now but at the same time then she gets to have the joy of you know essentially being an owner to the horse so Mm -hmm. it kind of it kind of, you get all the, like you said, range of emotions and she now gets to see a horse truly like enjoy what it wanted to be. Yeah. So my, my situation is different though. Yeah. I wish it was. Yours is a bit different. Yeah. So, So I picked this horse up in April, you know, he had been sitting in a field. He was supposed to have raced and they started him to race. He never actually raced, which was good, but, um, he just has had health problem after health problem. He stopped sweating. We're treating him for ulcers now. I had to, we did a whole like saddle fit regimen. And then just like literally last week, he started doing the same soreness issues he had with the other saddle after I had him fitted for the new saddle. So I don't know what it is. And my barn owner's like, maybe it's EPM, maybe it's Lyme. Like all of the, you know, the what if unknowns, don't Google it kind of things. And right now you sound so. You know, we're just like, fingers crossed, we'll see how long it lasts. But so at what point do you just say, okay, I've done everything I can for this horse? You know what I mean? Like, it's for me. Yeah, for me, it's just frustrating because I want the horse to do well. Like, I want it. I just want to get him to a point where I can ride him like more than two weeks at a time before he breaks down. You know what I mean? That's what I want. But so like in my brain, I'm not, I'm not the type of person to give up. So I'm like, I could fix this. I could fix this. I, I keep going through the list of all the problems and going like, it's okay. I'm going to find, I'm going to get to the bottom of all the problems and I'm going to fix it. But it's been, April will be a year and I can like count on one hand how many months I've been able to ride this horse. So that's where I'm at. Like, what do you, <laughs> what do I do? I think too, because you're do you know, and you have, you're doing everything you can for, this animal to feel good and to, you know, somewhat perform well and be comfortable. But it also is like, you know, you're putting a lot into this and you like to be able to ride your horse more than a handful of times. And that yeah, long. that's the, that's the dilemma. So Justine, I think it breaks down to at what part is it not fun anymore? Like when is it emotionally, physically just too much? Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like I'm reaching that point, you know, where it's like make or break because I've I've spent a lot of money trying to help him. I just want to ride something, you know, and uh, like I took him to a horse show this weekend. It's I already like had planned it to be my rose for the week and he did really great. He was wonderful. We had a really wonderful day and my barn owner was joking with me and she's like, he's gotten word that you're going to sell him, you know, so he's coming out of his bullshit. But uh, I just don't. <laughs> I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't know. So I'm like on that in between of like, is it time to call it quits and figure something else out? Or I don't know, because I want to, you know, you want to, I want to be the champion for him to help him get better. Because I, I do think he's talented and I think he's got a lot of potential and that's the bummer about it. You know, like he, he's a nice horse if you can get through the issues. Right. So I don't know yet. But I hope Kelly is happy with her situation, and I hope she's her trainer is finding her something more fitting for her to ride. And who knows? I'll update you guys later on a if I go one way or another on Mikey and see what he's doing. Yeah. But it is a bummer. Absolutely, it's more, 
it is more frustrating than fun right now. And that is, you guys put it into perspective for me. So. Because your horse deserves optimum nutrition delivered naturally. They deserve Stanley premium Western forage. There's no better place in the country to grow forage than Idaho. And Stanley is one of the country's largest producers. Whether it's pellets, cubes, chopped forage in bags to compress bales, Stanley cultivates premium forage types horse owners demand. Simply put, horses deserve Stanley Premium Western Forage because they deserve the very best. Go to stanleyforage.com. So the next topic we have to talk about is really interesting. I'm hoping Justine and Jess can enlighten me because I don't know a ton about this, but can alfalfa really make a horse hot? And how and when not to feed it? You know, what are your personal regimens with your horses? How do you kind of temper that? Jess, you go first. Okay, so with us, we feed just a mixture of alfalfa, orchard, and timothy because some of our horses, well, I'd say most of our horses are fine with alfalfa, but then there's the type that have got too much protein in their system and alfalfa is high in protein that's when we kind of steer away from the protein. Like they'll either have tied up or showed signs of that, or basically, you know, the vet has warned us, please don't use enough protein in their nutrition. So we stay away from it. But alfalfa can be a great source of like a supplement for them. So we, we love it. And like, it keeps weight on them. Well, I haven't personally found that it makes them too hot. And in my opinion, I don't really think it does, but there's also like people that have sworn their horse can't be, and I'm like probably with or without alfalfa, their horse is probably hot. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and I think that's interesting because yeah, people are like, oh my God, alfalfa makes my horse hot. And what makes a horse, you know, in air quotes, hot is the protein. Like you're, yes. if, if you're overfeeding protein, your horse is going to be like bouncing off the walls. So it's it if you're feeding a high protein grain or a protein like amino acid supplement and alfalfa your horse is going to be crazy that's probably not going to work (laughs) yeah so that's what you know when people say oh it makes them too hot it's crazy because as i'm dealing with ulcers with my horse right now alfalfa is great because it's full of um oh it's amazing for ulcered horses yeah it's a great buffer for their stomach like it's yep. great alfalfa cubes you soak them or just eat straight alfalfa hey it's great right before you ride to kind of totally aligns their stomach alfalfa is great and it definitely puts weight on horses so Absolutely. the lady the lady who owns the barn where i board she brings in a lot of off the track thoroughbreds and she that's how she puts weight on them off the track she's just giving them alfalfa i personally don't feed it to my horse. Um, I had a Hanoverian mare who just was like, she had too many allergies and it made her like physically hot to the point, like her body temperature would be hot because she couldn't have too much protein and then it would make her itchy. So I just never fed her alfalfa, but the thoroughbred Mikey, he stopped sweating last summer. And I think it was because he was on a high protein grain. He was getting alfalfa because we were trying to put weight on him. And then I had him on a equinity which is like an amino acid supplement and that's just like way too much protein yeah that overloads their system and so yeah so his body shut down so he just did not need that so he just eats a grass hay but it just drives me crazy when people say like oh alfalfa makes your horse hot that's not true it's really alfalfa plays a role in a balanced diet for your horse absolutely 
in most processed grains that you feed, whether it's Purina or Triple Crown or whatever, have alfalfa in it. You know what I mean? A lot of them are based in alfalfa. So anyways, I just, you know, you see it on Facebook. I'm not going to go back into my fake news. Oh my rant, gosh, here but... we go to fake news. <laughs> yeah, I was going to exactly. say, here we go. <laughs> just people, you know, ask your, ask your vet if you're having, you know, if, should you feed your horse alfalfa? That's, or your barn owner or a nutritionist. There are people out there who literally study this stuff. Um, I think people don't under, yeah, people don't understand how many equine nutritionists there are out there. Yeah. You know, Purina has one, Triple Crown has one, like any feed that you're feeding, they probably have a nutritionist that would be happy to talk to you about what your horse eats and what they should eat and the type of hay that goes along with it and how much, because Mm -hmm. I think so many people don't understand all the different variables that can play a role in everything. So Alex, what do you feed? What do you, what type of hay do you feed? We usually do a Timothy hay, you know, like we, our horses, you know, and I'd be curious just, you know, I don't know a ton about eventing. So just, you know, our horses and we, we can, the show jumpers vary. They can be a little bit cold. They can be hot. Our horses tend to be just kind of hotter period. So what we, you know, we feed them enough, but we also temper what we feed them kind of depending on, you know, what they need, you know, do you guys kind of do the same thing with the eventing horses? Do they tend to be a little bit hotter? And then do you kind of feed them? Obviously you have to feed them based on their weight, you know, if they're trying to get weight on them or take weight off of them, but you know, how do those horses tend to be and how do you kind of feed them as a result? Well, it's the same thing. Absolutely. It's almost identical as like the show jumpers. Um, I, obviously don't know your program exactly, but I'd assume that it's pretty close to ours. And so same thing, like with the event horses, they, and the show jumpers, I mean, we're half and half. So it's per basis. Like, you know, we basically will say that horse can't get that, that horse can't get alfalfa. This horse can get alfalfa, you know, and we go through the list and our girls are great about it. And we feed different grains and different supplements with it. And that's, what's been huge. Like, keeping their weight on. And yeah, the event horses burn through a lot more calories than the show jumpers though. So they need sometimes that extra alfalfa to keep the weight on. Absolutely. That makes total sense. Like it's, you got to think about it like protein. Like my husband is into doing protein shakes because he works out like crazy. You know what I mean? So he requires more, more protein as an athlete. Absolutely. It's the same same thing. This is just one way to source protein. And Generally, you want to give horses more hay than grain. They should be eating hay as like the bulk of their diet with grain, right? You know? Absolutely. And I will say, actually, just as an add-on, we have introduced recently alfalfa pellets. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, yeah. Which are great. And I'm learning more about it. You know, I just, it's so new to us. And it's, I mean, it's brand new. We just kind of started adding this to the horse's regimen. So it's really interesting to me. And to hear people that have been using it for, for longer. For sure. No, it's just, it's just one of those things that people, I, it's just, you're feeding too much, too much protein. Yep. That's it folks. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys, I want to ask you about falling off in that. Have you, either of you ever had a concussion before? Because, um, I'm writing a series of stories about riders who have suffered from a concussion for heels down magazine. And we're doing it as a series as I'm profiling one rider, each issue of the magazine. So the first one is out actually this issue in the March 
issue of the magazine. And it's about an inventor who had a really bad fall and a really bad concussion to the point where she spent like weeks where she couldn't, like she had coins in her hand and she couldn't add them up. Like she knew what a quarter was and she knew what a penny was, but she couldn't add them or she really? could, she wow. could literally look at a clock, like a digital clock that sit, that shows the numbers to you that says it's seven thirty one PM and she couldn't read it. That's what? how bad. Yeah. Wow. The effects of one concussion. How, only- how long was she like, I mean, how long was her effects? And I'm, obviously we should read the article when it comes out, but. A couple oh. of months, not like wow. super long, but yeah, I mean, her it a took couple her, months is long enough. It yeah. took her brain a long time to recoup. Um, and I just, I'll kind of like tease you for the next story, but I spoke to a Clemson grad who's uh, worked through the equine degree program there and she had two concussions and I get into the nitty gritty of what second impact syndrome is and, and how important that, how important and scary crazy that can be if you fall off and have a concussion and you don't get it treated, and then, God forbid, you fall off and have another one. Oh, and, that's the worst. Right. I know you know a lot about this, Jess. So I wanted to ask you guys, because I think in other sports, I mean, they made a freaking blockbuster movie about concussions in the NFL last year called Concussion with Will Smith. Uh, and, you know, other sports are are very proactive about this because it could be devastating. It changes who you are. It changes your personality. Your life changes if you have a concussion. And I think... Obviously, there's campaigns out there to wear a helmet. You have to wear a helmet in most equestrian sports, except dressage, I guess. But um, but it, I feel like we're as a sport community, we are not proactive enough about promoting concussion safety. And so I think this is an important time to talk about it. But to start off, have either of you guys had a concussion? And what happened to you? I have not. Okay. Wow. Well, you're, you're lucky, though. That's lucky. I'm very, very lucky. I'm very lucky, but, um, a little, I mean, I'm very lucky. I mean, that is statement number one, but I'm a little background. My father is a neurosurgeon. So I'm pretty sure if I'd had probably a serious concussion, I would probably not be riding. So that's a little background about it, but no, I'm really lucky. I've not had, I've not had a concussion. So knock on wood. But you're also fortunate to have been educated about it because you know, I think you're probably one in many, you know, not people, I don't know if they're turning a blind eye to it, or they're just not taking the time. But you know, it's very serious. You know, the fact that you're saying if you had one, a serious one, you probably wouldn't ride anymore. I mean, I know professionals that have had several and that just they kind of nod it off and, and keep going. And you wonder what their life is going to be like kind of 10, 20 years from now. That's why, I mean, the NFL is like really, really big about it in the NHL. And, um, I think our sports getting better about it. I think truly like it is, it's better than it was. So, I mean, I guess that's a step in the right direction, but you could, I mean, everything could always be better. Right. But the fact that like they miss probably so many concussions that happen. And the biggest thing is, is I'm not exactly sure it happen, what happens in the NFL and NHL like during practice, but how many times do riders during training sessions, like at home, have a concussion and it never gets reported to the Federation? Never. Honestly, even at the horse show, it doesn't get reported that often. No, but I mean, it does a little bit more probably in eventing. More but, now, for sure. Yeah, more yeah. now. And yeah. in eventing, I think we get checked out a bit You know, more. I mean, it's not like, oh. And there's probably more concussions than eventing, but who knows? Um, 
but honestly, how many times do you get reported if you fall at home and get a concussion? Never. Right. Probably never. Never. Right. I would probably and sometimes guess. it's easy to get up and go, okay, I feel a little weird, but I don't think I'm that hurt. But yeah. if, if you yeah. fall and you're not sure, the default should always be, I need to get go checked to out. The ER. get checked out. I know. It drives me crazy when people don't. I know somebody recently, I mean, I'll get into my own story, but I know somebody recently that wasn't even on a horse. She was trampled in the schooling area and was sent oh, wow. 20 feet and fell on her head and didn't go get checked out. And wow. it's fine. And, and, you know, I, okay, everybody has their own way of doing things and they're, you know, tough or whatever. But I just, for me, like if you hit your head, you go get checked out. It's just not worth what could happen. No. And that's the biggest thing is so many people see there. And I don't, I don't know if this is the case, but my perception is that so many people have friends or have know somebody or something. And they're like, Oh, he's had, or she's had five concussions. They're totally fine. But no one knows what the number of concussions is too many. And that's the scariest part. Or the one is too many. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and the severity, like you can say, yes, you have a concussion or you don't have a concussion, but everybody's like, oh, my concussion wasn't that bad. I'm like, you still had a concussion. It doesn't matter that whatever's bad doesn't, that's irrelevant. It's a concussion. Well, the level of it. And it's scary because the science isn't there yet. Uh, it's no. just, the, it, we don't know the long-term effects on the human brain from being rattled in your skull so many times. And that's if you don't crack your skull or, you know what I mean? It's it's just scientists and doctors don't know yet how this could affect you until the end of your life if you have one concussion. I really want to oh. share the details of one of my stories that I wrote. This girl just, it it... It literally changed her whole life and she was 20 years old and her life will never be the same because of a concussion. Oh, and it, it gives me chills. Yeah. And it's, and she's, she was an amateur rider, 20 years old, jumping a two foot fence, man. It could happen to anybody. And it just, it, it blows my mind how the professionals, like there's this tough persona out there that I'm fine. I'm going to get back on and get on the horse with a broken leg or I showed with a broken wrist and I banged up my head. And that is just so silly. And what kind of, I just, sometimes it makes me think like what kind of reputation or, or guidance are you setting for the next level of young people? Because we should be taking care of ourselves as athletes. Like, Every other sport does, you know, we should be taking care of ourselves. It shouldn't be this gritty toughness. I've been broken so many times and I'm getting back on, you know, it's like, oh, no big deal. I broke X, Y, and Z thousands of times. It's, it, it's just part of life. It's not have to be part of life. Yeah. No. And the thing that, you know, it's another dimension and it does not make it right, but I think it's an added pressure, especially to the professionals this happens to is. You know, a lot of these Grand Prix riders, you know, they don't own their own horses. They have owners. And even though you hope that they're mostly sensible and rational people, you know, they've paid a pretty penny for this Grand Prix horse or several Grand Prix horses. And they expect that their rider is going to show these Grand Prix horses. And I think the riders feel the stress and this pressure that, you know, I'm conscious, I'm here, so I need to get back on and keep riding. And it's not right and it's not okay, but I think that it's really hard with these professionals in that situation. Some of them depend on right. for their livelihood. And so they just go on without, 
you know, they, they don't get checked because they don't want to have to take time off knowing that they have a real problem. I think you're, I think you're hundred percent right. I, I think, think that's a good point. Absolutely. I think that's huge. And, you know, I know, I know we have like an eventing, we have like a, a baseline test that you can return to play. Like the return to play, you know, has a certain time. You can't ride at a competition. I don't know the rules exactly, but I know there are return to play rules that if you have a concussion at a horse show, you can't return to play in a certain amount of time. But I think also like, like I said, you don't know what's happened at home if they've fallen or whatever else. And yes, they've tried to get better by having baseline testing, but nothing's concrete. And I think you're right that they feel this pressure that they have to get out there immediately. And you're like, you don't know what the next fall could do. What if you fell too early after the next one? Like it could be devastating. Totally. I just think it's time to talk about this stuff more. Uh, you know, so. I was at the USCA convention last year, Jess. I don't know if you were there when it was in South Florida and William Fox Pitt talked there after yep. his, after his injury. And it was like eye opening on the road to recovery, how long it took for him to come back after having a really tough fall. And I'm pretty sure he had a concussion, right? Like he had like, yeah. he had to like relearn to do very yeah. simple cognitive things. And and he has a family. He has small kids. And I don't know. I feel like some it's just not worth it sometimes. Like we just we gotta be more mindful of what we're doing and treating our bodies. And I think especially when you're in a role model role model situation where you are a professional and people are watching you and look up to you. And I, I understand that this business is your livelihood, of course. And that is a whole nother discussion. And I wrote a story yeah. about that too, actually. <laughs> wrote a story about that uh, in Hillsdown Magazine, but I don't know. We've, I think we just need to be more open about talking about this stuff because it is serious. It's, it it's is. super serious. It is. it is. And how sad is it going to be when someone has a, like a debilitating injury that literally ruins their career or ruins their life or, you know what I mean? Like you don't want to think about family. that. Yeah. It, it could be devastating. And I just think, I think we got to talk about it and be better about it. Absolutely. Okay, Justine and Alex, you know what time it is. It's Rose and Thorn. Justine, what do you got for us? So I've got a good Rose. So uh, like I said about my horse who I don't know if I'm selling or not, we actually, I took him to a horse show last weekend because he was like, fingers crossed, knock on wood that I'm not going to make him lame, but he was sound and he was really wonderful. He hasn't been off property a lot and he was he was super kind and super ready to go and just do everything all day I asked him to do. And we just did like little tiny itty bitty jumps in a couple of hundred divisions because he's really not fit. But he was so game. He was like happy to be there all day to hang out. And we got reserve champion in both our division. Yay. <laughs> I know. It was really nice. So he, I had a moment where I was like, maybe I won't sell you. I don't know. But, um, but yeah. It was a good weekend. It was a nice like moment. Have a good moment with him. Finally, like I needed a break. So and then my thorn is I freaking washed my tailored sportsman's from the horse show literally just last night slash partially this morning and I ruined them in my washer and I'm so mad. How do you ruin them in your washer? I don't know because I've washed them a million times. I just washed them on a cold cycle in delicate, you know, like delicate yeah. mode on the washer. And I washed them with a white shirt, which I think was the downfall. But when I pulled them out, they're like a tan, you know, like a tan hunter, Royal hunter 
Taylor Sportsman breeches. And they have yeah. weird, like, almost bleach-looking stains, but they're light purple. And I don't That's know where odd. the purple came from. And I just was like... Was it your detergent? Maybe. Maybe I should run it again, just, like, in hot water. Oh. I've I don't know if that will bring that. back, but I that think is- it was probably your detergent. I'm just, like, I want to say words that I'm allowed to say here. and Just shout them. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. It was, and I was telling Alex this earlier. It's, like, my skinny breeches. You know, the ones that just, like, look good all the time. Oh. I know. It's always the good ones. I know. Like, what the? I'm trying to control my language here. I know. We don't need to get rated R or whatever (laughs) happens. (laughs) All right, Jess, do you have yours? I do. So my rose would be, I jumped this week. I mean, it wasn't very big, but it's still accomplishment since I haven't jumped probably six, eight months. I don't even know what I'm counting. (laughs) It's kind of sad. But I jumped. Good. That was fun. I jumped a couple of my horses and they they were very well behaved. So that was very good too. Felt pretty good to be back doing it. Felt good to be back doing it. I know I, I didn't completely lose my entire eye and everything. So that was excellent. I don't know. I've never been out of the saddle this long in my entire life. So it was really weird, but getting the groove back in, it's good. And then my thorn would have to be, can it be lame? The weather's been kind of gross here lately this week. (laughs) It's, it's been really nice prior to this week. And then it's been cold in the mornings and then it rained disgustingly all day. So are you getting Are you getting part of that nor'easter storm? You're like kind of halfway there. Yeah, but I mean, not getting the cold. Like I shouldn't be complaining about the weather because my in-laws have no power and probably aren't getting power in New Jersey for a while. So poor Caroline. I know, uh, right? Probably has no power. So she's probably (laughs) listening to this being like, I'm going to kill Jessica. She's talking about the temperatures being 45 degrees and cold is like the low at night. But I feel like that's freezing. That is cold. It is so, cold. Caroline might kill me for this one. Sorry, but that was my thorn this week. <laughs> Alex, what do you have? Um, my rose, I also had a really good show week last week. Um, my old guy was second in the classic out of like 80 horses. Which Yay, that's huge. Yeah, wow. About. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's a star. He's so much fun. Um, we had a great time. Um, but my thorn, it's actually kind of lame, but anybody who loves Easter candy can probably relate to this. I got really excited and bought all of the Cadbury eggs. <laughs> and I have eaten one whole bag to myself in the last 36 hours, and I'm really feeling the effects of it. You're not feeling so good. <laughs> I'm feeling so good, but I love the mini eggs. No I'm shame. Egg, I'm not an egg person. No. I don't like the Cadbury eggs. I don't know why. But what? The- Are you crazy? They're not so one. good. Like little mini milk chocolate ones. I yeah. know. I They're okay. I just don't crave them. I'm not a big sweet person. That is the craziest okay. thing. Those are those are like crack. They're that good. I know. I, just, I can't stop. I'm the yeah. weird one, so. That um, is a weird thing. I love the caramel filled ones. Oh, oh those oh. are. De- I can't do the caramel at all. I can do the milk chocolate like maybe once a year and wow. then that's about it mm-hmm. that's why you bounce so back or bounce back so quickly from your pregnancy because you don't like any of the good stuff that's actually bad <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i know that's the except secret. for my wine <laughs> that's the secret 
<laughs> I don't know. The wine still, I did get to have the wine finally. So that was nice. So <laughs> still going to have one glass of that. Cheers. Aww. Cheers. <laughs> it is heels down happy hour, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh-oh. Yeah. And you've got catching up to do because we've had so many episodes where you couldn't drink with us. <laughs> I'm having tea. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I still want to go over this mailbag. Yeah. Yeah. So read it to us, Jess. Okay, so um, Sydney wrote in how to set boundaries with your trainer. And I thought that was a good question because, I don't know, how do you guys feel like as amateurs about how you set your boundaries with your trainer? Well, my trainer is my husband, so. Ooh, lots of boundaries. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I mean, I will say, like, we're, we're really pretty good about kind of keeping our relationship separate. You know, like, he he'll tell me when I need to cut something out or when I need to do something and I take it. I never really feel like he's pushing me too far, but you know, I think it's really hard when you do have a trainer that you feel like is maybe asking too much of you and you don't know you want to do what they're asking you to do, but you also feel like maybe you're not able to do what they want you to do. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I don't know. I'm in a weird spot where I'm like in between riding with a regular trainer. So I like take lessons when I trailer in somewhere occasionally, but, um, having been in programs like religiously most of my life, there's definitely moments where, especially when you've been with a trainer for a long time, you know, where they know you really well, they know your habits, they know your personality that, they're going to ask a lot of you sometimes when they feel like you're slacking or you need to step it up. And it depends on your relationship with your trainer, but I've always felt like the best trainers of my life have always had my best interests at heart and always knew like they knew what my goals were. Like they knew what I wanted to do. And so they pushed me when I was slacking to help me get to those goals. Um, but I don't feel like they've ever pushed me beyond what I needed to do to grow to the level I wanted to be at, if that makes sense. Um, Well, I think as a trainer, like going from that aspect, I think it's always helpful to like ask the people, what are your goals? Sure. Yeah. And so like, and always just that open communication. So like, and I guess, I mean, if I guess when, you know, I ride with Jan a bunch, which Alex is funny when she was talking about, Hey, my husband helps me. Well, Doug helps me until I start arguing back. And then I'm like, well, that's not what Jan tells me to do. And he's like, good, (laughs) you're getting shipped to Jan's next week. Like he's like, peace out. You're leaving because <laughs> I'm That's not listening funny. to this anymore. Oh yeah, like that was the best part. Is like I'd be like, well, Jan doesn't tell me to do that, and he's like, great, <laughs> you're visiting her next week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's like, you're leaving this situation. Oh my god. So, but with Jan, we always just kind of always talked about like what my personal goals were, what you know so that she knew how far to push me. Like, was my goal to go preliminary level? Was my goal to go Olympics, you know? And like, whatever it was, she was going to just keep checking in on me. So she never felt, cause she wanted to push me and wanted the best of me. And so, you know, everybody's goals are different. And I think that's the biggest thing in my mind, what I've done as a trainer and as a, trying just to make sure they know exactly what, or I know exactly what they want. Yeah, I think that's I think that's great. I think it all comes down to communication because if you're not happy with your trainer, if they're pushing you too hard, then something's wrong. You know, like if you're not leaving a, a like you're going to have tough lessons, that's part of 
growing as a rider. But if you have too many and you feel like this isn't fun anymore, you need to have a conversation with your trainer because they probably don't realize that, you know, it goes both ways here, I think. Absolutely. So I hope that helps you, Sydney. Everyone, please keep emailing back, though. We love our mailbag time. Yeah, absolutely. So you can send us an email at hello at heelsdownmedia.com. Or if you're not in our Facebook group, you can find it by searching on Facebook uh, for Heels Down Happy Hour Podcast Lounge. It's a closed group, so you have to ask to join. Um, But you're welcome to join. And we have all kinds of ridiculous conversations there, too. If you want to hear more from us, check out Heels Down Magazine. It's an interactive digital magazine on your phone or tablet, so you can take it anywhere. You can download it on iTunes or Google Play, or check out our website at heelsdownmag.com. We'll be releasing episodes of Heels Down Happy Hour on the second and last Fridays of each month. Did you know you can get the HRN app on your iOS or Android phone? Search for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and super easy to use. All right, guys. So that's a wrap. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.